and welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. I'm Eric Wagoner. Today I'll be reading All Fur. Once upon a time there was a king whose wife had golden hair and was so beautiful that her equal could not be found anywhere on earth. Now it happened that she became sick, and when she felt she was about to die, she called the king to her and said, If you desire to marry again after my death, I'd like you to take someone who is as beautiful as I am, and who has golden hair like mine. Promise me that you will do this. After the king had promised her that, she closed her eyes and died. For a long time the king could not be consoled, and did not think about remarrying. Finally his counselor said, This cannot continue. The king must marry again, so that we may have a queen." Messengers were sent far and wide to search for a bride who might equal the beauty of the dead queen. Yet they could not find anyone like her in the world, and even had they found such a woman, she certainly would not have had such golden hair. So the messengers returned with their mission unaccomplished. Now the king had a daughter who was just as beautiful as her dead mother, and she also had the same golden hair. When she was grown up, the king looked at her one day, and realized that her features were exactly the same as those of his dead wife. Suddenly, he fell passionately in love with her, and said to his counselors, I'm going to marry my daughter, for she is the living image of my dead wife. When the counselors heard that, they were horrified, and said, God has forbidden the father to marry his daughter. Nothing good can come from such a sin, and the kingdom will be brought to ruin. When she heard of her father's decision, The daughter was even more horrified, but she still hoped to dissuade him from carrying out his plan. Therefore she said to him, Before I fulfill your wish, I must have three dresses, one as golden as the sun, one as silvery as the moon, and one as bright as the stars. Furthermore, I want a cloak made up of a thousand kinds of pelts and furs, and each animal in your kingdom must contribute a piece of its skin to it. She thought, He'll never be able to obtain all those furs, and by demanding this, I shall divert my father from his evil intentions. The king, however, persisted, and the most skillful women in his realm were assembled to weave the three dresses, one as golden as the sun, one as silvery as the moon, and one as bright as the stars. His huntsmen had to catch all the animals in his entire kingdom and take a piece of their skin. Thus a cloak was made from a thousand kinds of fur. At last, when everything was finished, the king ordered the cloak to be brought and spread out before her. Then he announced, The wedding will be tomorrow. When the king's daughter saw that there was no hope whatsoever of changing her father's inclinations, she decided to run away. That night, while everyone was asleep, she got up and took three of her precious possessions, a golden ring, a tiny golden spinning wheel, and a little golden reel. She packed the dresses of the sun, the moon, and the stars into a nutshell, put on the cloak of all kinds of fur, and blackened her face and hands with soot. Then she commended herself to God and departed. She walked the whole night until she reached a great forest, and since she was tired, she climbed into a hollow tree and fell asleep. When the sun rose, she continued to sleep and sleep until it became broad daylight, Meanwhile, it happened that the king who was the lord of this forest was out hunting in it, and when his dogs came to the tree, they started to sniff and run around it and bark. Go see what kind of beast has hidden itself there, the king said to his huntsmen. 
The huntsmen obeyed the king's command, and when they returned to him, they said, There's a strange animal lying in the hollow tree. We've never seen anything like it. Its skin is made up of a thousand different kinds of fur, and it's lying there asleep. See if you can catch it alive, said the king. Then tie it to the wagon, and we'll take it with us. When the huntsman seized the maiden, she woke up in a fright and cried to them, I'm just a poor girl, forsaken by my father and mother. Please have pity on me and take me with you. You'll be perfect for the kitchen, all fur, they said. Come with us, and you can sweep up the ashes there. So they put her into the wagon and drove back to the royal castle. There they showed her to a little closet beneath the stairs that was never exposed to daylight. Well, you furry creature, they said, you can live and sleep here. Then she was sent to the kitchen, where she carried wood and water, kept the fires going, plucked the fowls, sorted the vegetables, swept up the ashes, and did all the dirty work. All fur lived there for a long time in dire poverty. Ah, my beautiful princess, what shall become of you? At one time, a ball was being held in the castle, and all fur asked the cook, May I go upstairs and watch for a while? I'll just stand outside the door. Yes, said the cook. Go ahead, but be back in half an hour. You've got to sweep up the ashes. All fur took her little oil lamp, went to her closet, took off her fur cloak, and washed the soot from her face and hands, so that her full beauty came to light again. Then she opened the nut and took out the dress that shone like the sun. When that was done, she went upstairs to the ball, and everyone made way for her, for they had no idea who she was, and believed that she was nothing less than a royal princess. The king approached her, offered her his hand, and led her forth to dance. In his heart he thought, Never in my life have my eyes beheld anyone so beautiful. When the dance was over, she curtsied, and as the king was looking around, she disappeared, and nobody knew where she had gone. The guards who were standing in front of the castle were summoned and questioned, but no one had seen her. In the meantime, the princess had run back to her closet and had undressed quickly. There she blackened her face and hands, put on the fur cloak, and became all fur once more. When she went back to the kitchen, she resumed her work and began sweeping up the ashes. "'Let that be until tomorrow,' said the cook. "'I want you to make a soup for the king. "'While you're doing that, I'm going upstairs to watch a little. "'You'd better not let a single hair drop into the soup, "'or else you'll get nothing more to eat in the future.' The cook went away, and all fur made the soup for the king by brewing a bread soup as best she could. When she was finished, she fetched her golden ring from the closet, put it into the bowl in which she had prepared the soup. When the ball was over, the king ordered the soup to be brought to him, and as he ate it, he was convinced that he had never eaten a soup that tasted as good. However, he found a ring lying at the bottom of the bowl when he had finished eating, and he could not imagine how it could have got there. He ordered the cook to appear before him, and the cook became terrified on learning that the king wanted to see him. "'You must have let a hair drop into the soup,' he said to Allfur. "'If that's true, you can expect a good beating.' When he went before the king, he was asked who made the soup. "'I did,' answered the cook. However, the king said, "'That's not true, for it was much different from your usual soup, and much better cooked.' "'I must confess,' responded the cook, "'I didn't cook it. The furry creature did.' "'Go and fetch her here,' said the king. "'When all fur appeared, the king asked, "'Who are you?' "'I'm just a poor girl that no longer has a mother or father.' 
Why are you in my castle? the king continued. I'm good for nothing but to have boots thrown at my head, she replied. Where did you get the ring that was in the soup? he asked again. I don't know anything about the ring, she answered. So the king could not find out anything and had to send her away. Some months later, there was another ball, and like the previous time, all fur asked the cook's permission to go and watch. Yes, he answered, but come back in half an hour and cook the king the bread soup that he likes so much. She ran to the little closet, washed herself quickly, took the dress as silvery as the moon out of the nut, and put it on. When she appeared upstairs, she looked like a royal princess. The king approached her again and was delighted to see her. Since the dance had just begun, they danced together, and when the dance was over, she again disappeared so quickly that the king was unable to see where she went. In the meantime, she returned to the little closet, made herself into the furry creature again, and returned to the kitchen to make the bread soup. While the cook was still upstairs, she fetched the tiny golden spinning wheel, put it into the bowl, and covered it with the soup. When the soup was brought to the king, he ate it, and enjoyed it as much as he had the previous time. Afterward, he summoned the cook, who again had to admit that all fur had made the soup. Now all fur had to appear before the king once more, but she merely repeated that she was good for nothing but to have boots thrown at her, and that she knew nothing about the tiny golden spinning wheel. When the king held a ball for the third time, everything happened just as it had before. To be sure, the cook now asserted, Furry creature, I know you're a witch. You always put something in the soup to make it taste good, and to make the king like it better than anything I can cook. However, since she pleaded so intensely, he let her go upstairs at a given time. Thereupon she put on the dress as bright as the stars, and entered the ballroom wearing it. Once again the king danced with a beautiful maiden, and thought that she had never been more beautiful. While he danced with her, he put a golden ring on her finger without her noticing it. He had also ordered the dance to last a very long time, and when it was over he tried to hold on to her hands, but she tore herself away and quickly ran into the crowd, vanishing from his sight. However, she had stayed upstairs too long, more than half an hour, and she could not take off her beautiful dress, but had to throw her fur cloak over it. Moreover, she was in such a hurry, she could not make herself completely black, and one of her fingers was left white. Then all fur ran into the kitchen, and cooked the soup for the king. While the cook was away, she put the golden reel into the bowl. So when the king found the reel at the bottom of the bowl, he summoned all fur, and saw the ring that he had put on her finger during the dance. Then he seized her hand and held it tight, and when she tried to free herself and run away, the fur cloak opened a bit, and the dress of bright stars was unveiled. The king grabbed the cloak and tore it off her. Suddenly her golden hair toppled down, and she stood there in all her splendor, unable to conceal herself any longer. After she had wiped the soot and ashes from her face, she was more beautiful than anyone who had ever been glimpsed on earth. "'You shall be my dear bride,' the king said, "'and we shall never part from each other.' Thereupon the wedding was celebrated, and they lived happily together until their death. The End the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. Download it and share it all you'd like, but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Zipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, 
is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, grimlunch.org, where you can also leave comments or subscribe through iTunes. And if you're in iTunes, would you mind leaving a review or clicking on stars to give this podcast a rating? It helps other people find the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you.